Hello and welcome to the Beyond Resilience Life podcast, a show about life adversity, how to overcome it and transform your life. This is your host, Dr. Lidiana Garcia, a licensed psychologist in Los Angeles, California. And even though my hope is to deliver information that can be helpful for you to overcome adversity and transform your life, it is not meant to be a substitute for being diagnosed and treated by a licensed mental health, medical, and related professional. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Resilience Live. This is your host, Dr. Lidiana Garcia, and today I have a very very important discussion and topic that I wanted to share with you all. As I'm recording this, is a Saturday, right before the election, and I just finished a five, it was like a five-week kind of healing on internalized racism, internalized oppression, ancestral lineage, trauma, and all those kind of stuff with an amazing teacher. Her name is Milagros, and she is continuing to do this work. So over here in the show notes, you'll be able to get a hold of her website and her offerings for November. I'm not an affiliate. I just really love her work. And I've been, it's something that has been helpful for me ever since I started going a little bit more into deepening my understanding about racism and about internalized oppression. Because I've always been very interested in I'm just going to be honest, because some of these things are hard to kind of share, but I've always been very interested in how, when I was looking about the people that were sharing a lot about racism, then they were going into kind of like the complete opposite. And with, you know, with a lot of well, I don't want to say deserved, but well validated anger and all that towards white. And I guess it's also because as Puerto Rican and my makeup, of who I am. I'm this kind of mix of, and that's how, you know, we understand our Puerto Rican heritage. Is I am Spaniard, Black, and Indigenous, Taino. So I've always been kind of like, I'm both. And I also have ancestors that are, that were the colonizers. So how can I make sense of this? That's why I look more for Milagros kind of teachings and how she integrated a little bit about the spirituality. And I loved way more that she's also Dominican, so she's Caribbean, and I felt that it was a little bit closer to home in that sense. So today, what I wanted to talk was a little bit about ways to work with that internalized oppression and also accessing our internalized empowerment. So this episode will be released, most likely right after one of the most heated, divisive of all the elections in the U.S. that I've been since I've been eligible to vote. I bet there was a lot of like that in the past. But this is one of the most intense. Yeah. And the division is so clear of this duality of red and blue and you're in or you're out and all that. So I don't know what will be the outcome of it, but I wanted to release this episode this week to hopefully bring a little bit back on that internal empowerment that we all have access to. So let's go in. So when I talk about internalized oppression, let me define what I refer. I learned, and I mean, 
Milagros kind of helped me understand a little bit more of all the different types of how racism wasn't institutionalized and different types. So in general, it starts like kind of like one of the things that it's, it starts with the caste system, which is how the um, Europeans, and I'm going to talk specifically right now, Spaniards, kind of worked about being able to figure out heritage and, you know, like hierarchy in their societies. And it was also based on color. So that's why there's that term colorism and the whiter you were, then the more that you had access to. And this is very relevant to people in, in many different countries, including in the Caribbean, in Puerto Rico, and, and many other cultures, not only the Latinx culture, um, but like Asian cultures, South Asian and all that. So, so this is really important because the experience of the colonization, again, was also throughout the whole world. It was not only in the Americas, in Caribbean or South Central America and North America, it was also in other areas of the world. So when, and I mean, you can definitely do your own finding information and research about this, uh, if you've never heard of that. But then there's also something else very important that throughout this learning with Milagros, it was about the doctrine of discovery, which is a document that the Pope back right, you know, after, you know, when Columbus started the whole process of colonization was right, was written in a way that the Europeans, and I'm talking now Spaniards, were able to take over any land and take over and make it theirs if the people that lived there were not Christians because they were considered Catholic in this sense, they were considered less of. So all the indigenous, you know, that gave them institutionalized their being able to, for, in a way, to take over the land and do whatever they can with the people living there, including genocides and all that, because they were not Christian, right? And there's less, yeah, there's a lot more to talk about that, but this is not a history episode, but just to give you a little bit of the background. So all those kind of ideas of who was considered better off then was written in laws, and that's how it got institutionalized. And then there were systems created to make sure that these laws were being in place, and that's what we call the systemic oppression and institutional oppression, in case you were wondering. But then there's also the relational, and that's one that a lot of people refer to in terms like, I'm not racist, and the whole microaggressions and all that. And it's based on how you relate to others, how do you treat others. And then there's also the internalized. And this one, you either internalize supremacy and oppression. And I would say not either, both at times, especially I would say with people of color that, yeah. But yeah, so there's that thing about you internalize that belief. And again, it's mostly either one of them. But I just want to say that in terms of supremacy or privilege, there's definitely like different gradients. So that's why I'm meaning in a way you also internalize a little bit of that supremacy, even if you're not like if you're not Caucasian white. Okay. So then in terms of that internalized oppression, what I refer to is a little bit more on the sense of our own beliefs and our own behaviors and way of being that continue to perpetuate this belief that we're either less of and, yeah, that 
I'm just going to summarize that way, that we're less of. And that could be seen in many different ways. For example, how strict you are with yourself when you make a mistake, that inner shatter, are you being super harsh, super oppressive? A lot of us have that internal voice that is very mean, very aggressive, and very trying to keep us in this in a certain way. And it could go all the way from that to also little things of not feeling safe in the world. And there's a lot to justify. And there's a lot of facts out there that the world is not necessarily a safe place. And at the same time, there's also that internalized way of not tapping necessarily into our liberation. And I know this is a very, again, I'm just touching on the surface on this because I want to go straight into some recommendations, how to deal with it. And also the area about racism and healing and oppression, it's something that I don't consider myself an expert either. So I'm just providing you the information as I'm making sense of it for myself in hopes that it could be helpful, that you can start exploring it. And then if you're interested, that you'll also be guided to who will be that teacher for you and that person to help you go deeper into it. Okay. One of the ways that I think has helped me to learn about my internalized oppressor and how I oppress myself is becoming aware of it, becoming aware of my habits, my thoughts, my way of being. For example, one of the most recent examples, my son is in distance learning and he's kind of learning his sounds and I completely understand. He's only five. I completely understand that it's all developmental. I completely understand that children learn best when they're calm, when they're motivated, when they feel safe. And at the same time as a mom, as I'm juggling a baby and a child and technology (laughs) and the computer and having arts class in my living room and all this kind of stuff. And managing other things in the household and working and all that, it definitely, my tolerance has been very slim. And I've noticed, I've become more aware of even fear when I see my child not listening to the teacher or getting distracted with toys and not following through what the teacher is saying or not having the paper and the page that they're doing. And part of it, I've explored how the fear of him being behind and not learning to read and write with the pressure of that society, it's part of my fear that then he'll be because he is a person of color. We're both Latinx and yeah, that then he'll be kind of marginalized because of that. And there is some fact about how children of color are usually marginalized in the system and then when they get in the system and all the things that can happen. So that's something that I've been noticing. And then how I've been reacting is that I'm a little short-tempered with him and I'm like pressuring him and kind of like, why can you pay attention? And And I just get into this kind of very oppressor that is being guided by fear. Please don't stay behind. But instead of me helping, then I'm perpetuating those beliefs that you have to do good, you have to be this way. And I know there is some truth in the sense of wanting to protect, 
but it could be done in a different way. So that's a simple-ish example in case you were wondering how that might be even look with your children or with your family members. One last example that I'll do, more of my own, it's definitely when I am not, I don't consider myself a perfectionist, but I definitely have noticed that sense of not feeling safe and in the world and how I feel like I have to keep on going and doing because otherwise the system is not there to protect me. And again, there is fact about that. And at the same time, when I continue to do that, then I continue to perpetuate those beliefs and though, and I'm not tapping into also my power to start healing that and change some things inside that could then also start transforming from the inside out. It is super important to continue the work to fight systemic and institutionalized racism, to work on our relational and to decrease our microaggressions as much as possible and to become aware of them, to work on repair. And that, that is, I'm not taking that power of that. I'm just talking that part of the work is also to work from that internal because we can create all the systems to be like, oh, this is not, you know, we're going to break all this, many of the laws that perpetuate the systemic oppression, like the doctrine of discovery, <laughs> that the last time that was used was in 2005 in the Supreme Court. We can kind of like, okay, let's break this. This is unconstitutional, whatever. But if the people continue to internally believe and be guided by most, you know, primarily either the internalized supremacy and or the oppression, then it will continue to happen. That's why I think part of the discussion is to work on that internalized, especially for people of color, because the more that we become awake, aware, and empowered in our own skin, then we start changing these patterns as well. So that's what I wanted to bring. So awareness is one of the most important first steps. The second is something else, sorry, not the second, is what to do. So, okay, now you become aware of all these habits, all this internalized shatter that can be very oppressive, all the body sensations that reminds you when things are not okay and you don't feel safe and there is some fact with the, what's going on in our world. And again, this episode is coming and I don't know what, who won, if you're in the US, who won and the impact that will have on more laws that perpetuate systemic and then, you know, institutionalized racism, and even to kind of like dismiss or minimize the impact of relational racism and microaggressions, or like this always existed, there's nothing to be done. And yes, whoever won by this time, it, that's not going to change that there is racism. And at the same time, it can kind of continue to exacerbate it via institutional and, and systemic ways undoing it. So regardless of who won, is how can you go back in and work and find that empowerment inside of you? You're worthy of that. So here's some of my recommendations. Number one would be to start to establish a relationship with this inner part of ourselves, with our shadows, with our internalized oppression, with not only with ourselves, but our racist beliefs towards others. And a lot of it could be our colorism. If you're more in a culture that you were oppressed and it was based on color and 
in ways that you are, you know, the racist comments towards others and all these kind of things, become aware of it and build a relationship of trust. And how you do that is by listening. Because if you see that part of you and you automatically go into judgment, look at you, you're not supposed to do this and all that, that part will be like, I'm not going to show up or feel safe to begin a dialogue with you. So if that makes sense, hopefully it does. So it's how to build a relationship with those inner parts, those shadows, how to trust by listening, by not judging, by just being there. So that way you allow this part that is a wounded part to come up into surface. So then you can kind of in quote unquote, become friends so you can help each other because it's all part of you, even though you might think you don't have anything to do with that. It's all out there, right? It's also inside of us. Some ways that you could do that would be journaling, could be meditating. It could just be like, and when I say journaling, it could just be like sitting down and just writing, you know, asking like, what are some of these parts that I'm afraid to look into and then just yacht about it. Another cool exercise is maybe think about the things that you hate the most in others and then ask yourself after you identify them, ask yourself when you've been those ways because we're all interconnected. And even though we, again, we might think that 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 person is, ugh, I don't like them because of this quality. A lot of times we're projecting that part of us that we reject. That's what we call a shadow. And I'm simplifying it. A shadow is like a whole topic in itself. But in general, for the most part, what we hate in others, we also have a piece of that in ourselves. So let that sink in. And then you can kind of like write about it. There's also the right and left handwriting that you can use your dominant, let me say more dominant and non-dominant hand. You can use your non-dominant hand to answer the questions. It might look like children's writing, but it could be really helpful because it could tap more into the unconscious part that you're not that dominant and you might be surprised about things that come. And then with your dominant hand, you ask questions. And then with the non-dominant hand, you answer them, whatever comes into your mind. The other thing after establishing that build trust and listening, then I would invite you to explore what are the underlying unmet needs and emotions that these parts have. Because let's say it's based on fear. That's the emotion survival. And I'm just going to have to like really do good in my work and be really hard on myself because my ancestors went through like, if you were not that way, then somebody could have, that you could have died. So like if you showed weakness, this is a big one. If you show weakness, then you would have died. Physical weakness, emotional weakness, you have to be like this standing there kind of blank statement and just be there and yeah and not even speak up right so in that way is like that was that fear and the unmet needs of feeling safe of feeling that they were part of and all the different unmet needs that could be helpful i'm also going to link in the show notes a document that i love from the echo parenting center that has as a pdf with a list of needs, human needs that could help you guide this work. And then after that would be also how to find ways to validate the emotions 
and how, you know, there were this unmet need. And that might be hard because when we think of our internalized oppressor and oppression, we might be like, we want to take that thing out of our bodies. We don't want to deal with that, right? But at the same time, again, they're there for a reason. It's like in that cellular memory of your ancestors or even in your experiences in those kind of sea collective trauma experiences, right? And we might be like, I don't want this. But if we go from that perspective, that is a wounded part of us. And it's there, it figured out a way to survive with whatever they could, whether that was substances, being hard on yourself, you know, whatever that was, that's how they learned to survive. And they were trying to fulfill a need, a basic one for the most part, safety and many others, maybe a need of not feeling love, not feeling appreciated in this world. So we did this X, Y, and Z behavior as a way to satisfy this need. So how you validate that, and it could be as simple like, I see that you, that this need was not meted, that um, that was not met, that this emotion, like I can see that how you might have felt fear, unsafe, and all these kind of things. It's just a simple statement. And then after that is, how can we find ways to fulfill this need, or needs, plural? It could be, if it's about safety, then how can you work exercises in your body like you've seen the previous episodes about grounding and somatic ways to promote safety within yourself, safety within where you live. And that's just one example if it's safety. If it's about feeling love, how can you work on perhaps showing a little more love? For example, taking care of your needs, sleeping, eating, respecting when your body feels tired, giving what your body needs, like nurturing it, whatever love might mean for you, showing compassion, like maybe downloading and compassion meditations and stuff, working on and showing that kind of acceptance, unconditional, like a pet will do. I think that's the best way of that agape love, that unconditional love, whether it's be a spirituality or your religion or be a pet or someone that has shown unconditional love, if you have had anyone. And that could be another episode in itself. But how to find and fulfill needs, I think is essential as we're working with this internalized oppressor to start help them liberate and not continue to be so stuck on it, because that's the only way that they learn to survive again. And the last thing is, as you do that, to start noticing that other internal part, the empowered voice that probably was silence of things like, you can do this and I'm here for you and all that. At the beginning, it might be imagining what others that completely love you would do for you, would say for you, would be there for you. And those beliefs about your potential as a human being, as a soul in this world, maybe reading books about that maybe listening to podcasts about that, maybe getting into support groups to work on that until you find it and it might start in the outside and then how to start going in the inside, whatever resonates with you. But it starts with first attending to that oppressed, fulfilling the needs that the oppressed part feel that they have not 
met and also like starting to give attention to that empowered part, to that internal voice. I will end with a reference to a book that I think was key in my journey. And I, I read this book, wow, like back in 2000, probably four. So a long time ago. It's called Men Searching for a Meaning. It's also going to be here, link, by Viktor Frankl. And that book is his story of Victor when the Holocaust happened and he ended up in concentration camp in Auschwitz. I mean, the journey, there was another one in between, but the last one was in Auschwitz and how his experience. And I think it would be really interesting when you read the book, there was something that really stood out for me. And I was like 20, 21 when I read that. And it stood out for me that when the Jews and there were more people that were, you know, the resistant to the, to the army, to the German army, to the Nazis would get to the concentration camps. They needed more officers to help maintain, quote unquote, peace, kind of like having everyone oppressed and to do their work. So they would recruit some of the Jews or, again, like any other that was part of the resistance that ended up in a concentration camp to assist in, yeah, being basically like a police, like an officer to help maintain that everybody will follow directions. And there was a term for that that right now I don't recall the name. But when the quote-unquote oppressed person, let's, you know, it could have been a Jew, it could have been, again, anyone that was part of the resistance, became an officer, they treated the other Jews and the other concentration camps people, right now I'm blanking on the name as well for that, worse than the German. And I remember when I read that, I was like, that does not make sense. And at the same time, it does, because again, it goes back to that sense of fear. Like, if I am not the worst, if I don't enforce this really bad, then they're going to kill me, then they're going to treat me the same. So I have to show even more brutality and all that because that was the way of surviving. And in a way, that's how I see the analogy for internalized oppressor. <sighs> a lot of times we become that. We become even harsher than what we've experienced with ourselves as a way to survive. So my hope for you is to be able to become aware of it, of those shadows, of those internalized oppressor to work with that, to validate them, to validate and fulfill their needs and to start being able to tap into your empowered voice to continue the healing and fulfilling those needs so those parts don't feel like they need to step up and rule your life. That's my hope for you. This week probably is a heavy one, so I want to honor that for you and I want to tell you that I'm here with you. This is all part. Thank you for listening. As we're ending, just quick reminders about the community, the Beyond Resilience Life community via the Mighty Network apps that you'll see here in the show notes. To join is a bilingual community that I'll be working through it and doing some, I'm thinking of like quarterly lives and stuff for the community because that's what I've been called is to start building more of a community and I hope you can join me there. And the other thing is, the November 19th, that Thursday, it's the November support group. And it's specifically for women or 
folks that identified as women, as femmes. And it's more of an open, non-necessarily specific topic with everything that's going on. So also here you can see in the show notes. Sending you much love. Thank you again. And until next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond Resilience Life podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. If you like this episode, please make sure to review it and comment on it and share it with your friends and family. Until next time. 